0: I want to thank you for listening today. If you have not subscribed to our podcast, please do so and feel free to rate and review us as well. If you live nearby and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come visit us here at Fellowship Bible Church in Jacksonville, Texas. You can connect with us by calling or texting CONNECT to 903 five, eight, six, six, five, two, zero. If you would like to support the ministry here at fellowship Bible church, we would greatly appreciate that as well to give one time or on a regular basis. You can text give to nine Oh three, five, eight, six, six, five, two, zero. If you live a ways away, we hope you would find a good Bible believing and preaching church in your area to join and serve in and support. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you have a great week. You know, sometimes I I wonder if uh, as we're singing, if we're really considering the words that we're singing, especially on that last song about the cost of following Christ who Christ is, the work he has accomplished, and the wonderful joy that comes from Christ being ours forevermore. It's a wonderful lead-in to what we're going to be discussing this morning. Thankful for our praise and worship team and the work they put in each and every week um, in leading us in these wonderful songs of praise. life there are several big foundational fundamental questions that that almost everyone asks at one time or another questions of does God exist if so what is he like who am I why am I here what's wrong with the world And how is it all going to end up? In our world today, people search for these answers in all sorts of places. They they ask friends and, and family. They seek answers from licensed professionals, counselors, popular books, studying the world, and also from studying various religious beliefs. As we read the Bible, we learn that God provides detailed answers to these questions all throughout his word. In certain places in scripture, he provides answers to most of these questions within particular passages of scripture. Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 23 is one of these types of passages. If you have your Bibles, get there. Colossians chapter 1. We are continuing our study through the book of Colossians in a sermon series we are calling Just Jesus. We have already discussed that the church in Colossae had a solid start. While not started by the Apostle Paul, this church was planted by a disciple who was under Paul, a man by the name of Epaphras. Epaphras had sat under Paul some believe maybe around Ephesus he had done some 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 prison time with Paul as well we learn in Philemon apparently at some point in his ministry he had traveled to Colossae another city in Asia to start this church and there was a great response to God in this city this church had a had a great start Epaphras had delivered the true message to them that salvation comes by God's grace alone through our faith alone in Christ alone and they responded favorably to that message in repentance and faith but over time false teachers moved in and challenged that message they added certain things to the to that message in an attempt to improve upon the message and as a result they completely messed it up this is causing issues in Colossi because many of the believers <clears throat> in this church were were struggling with this temptation to drift from this message apparently their message was a popular message and and they were considering it they were considering embracing this system of belief that was really anti-christian Epaphras shares the issue with Paul while Paul is in prison in Rome, and Paul writes this letter to them. He writes to encourage them in truth and to share with them that he is praying for them and also to combat these false Teachings that were beginning to take root in the church there Paul writes to remind them of the gospel preached to them in in which they that that message they had embraced of the person and work of Jesus Christ and that they belong to Christ Forevermore he is he is writing to them to encourage them to not drift one inch from Jesus Christ but cling to him And faithfully follow him in our passage today while believed to be a hymn that Paul penned in praise to Christ for this marvelous work that he is reminding the Colossian Christians of many think Paul's reminding them of this and this this hymn just comes to mind of course divinely inspired and Paul writes it down but also he is writing here, not just a hymn of praise to Christ, but to remind the Colossian Christians of why they do not need to look anywhere else. They do not need to look beyond Jesus Christ. R. Scott Pace, in his commentary on Colossians, says this, look at this quote. By expounding on the person and work of Christ, Paul confronts a heretical doctrine that was infecting the church, while simultaneously directing their attention upward to their glorious savior who desires and deserves their highest praise and deepest devotion in paul's teachings on jesus in colossians 1:15 through 23 we find all the answers to life's most basic fundamental and foundational questions. We find them in the writings on the person and work of Jesus Christ. We learn here in this passage why Christ alone is to be looked to and trusted in and followed. Notice first, Paul provides an answer to the question, does God exist? And if so, what is he like? We're going to learn in these verses, God does exist and his son Jesus is the Visible manifestation of the invisible God and His creator and sustainer of everything. How about that for an answer? The Christians at Colossae were being taught, God does exist, but He is removed from man. Many believed in this day that the material world was evil, the spiritual world was good. For that reason, many argued that a good God could not have taken on material, evil, material flesh and become one of us. They were being taught that that man was in need of a go-between other than God to have any sort of access to God. Man needed a greater created being to go between God and man and they were being taught that those beings were angels. They were in need of, of angelic mediators to get to God. Someone greater than man but less than god there was also a popular teaching that was beginning to emerge we don't know if this had made it to colossi yet might have been an early form of it but definitely toward the end of the first century that said that because the material world was evil a good god could not have created the world because it is evil So while God to them was powerful and good, he was removed from man. Those are some of the teachings that were popular in this day and especially toward the end of the first century. In his commentary on Colossians, Bruce Barton says this. Look at this quote. Believing that matter is evil, false teachers argued that God would not have come to earth as a true human being in bodily form. They also believed God did not create the world. And many of the believers in the church in Colossae were, were giving some consideration to this popular false teaching. When it comes to the question of whether or not God exists and what he is like, people in our world today, they have all kinds of answers. Some believe that God does not exist and we're we're just accidents. We're here by a random chance and they deny any deep meaning in human life. Others believe God exists but is removed from us. He doesn't care about us one way or another concerning the way we live. Others believe that that God exists, but He is whoever I strongly believe Him to be. We have people talking today all about my truth and your truth instead of the truth. No doubt you've heard people reason in this way. They will say whatever you believe to be true of God is true for you. What does the Bible say? What does Paul say in Colossians 1? Let's begin. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. The Bible teaches that God exists. You you can't get past verse 1, first book of the Bible, and not see that. The Bible teaches God exists. We we are taught there is only one God who exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible also tells us there was a time in history when the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, took on flesh and lived among us. Paul says he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Now the word image is an important word, but it can be misunderstood, because in Genesis 1, we're said to be created in the image of God. Is Paul suggesting that Jesus is someone created in the image of God, but less than divine? An image bearer like us, but not God. Well, let's focus in on that word, image. It's the Greek word, icon. It's where we get our word, icon. Okay, but we need to be careful in interpreting that word. Paul does not mean that Jesus is just some type or symbol of deity without the actual presence of deity. Paul actually helps us later on in this passage by telling us, in him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Sometimes you just got to keep reading for the answers, okay? If it's confusing to you, my suggestion is keep reading, Amen. keep studying, keep digging. How's that for application? All right? J.B. Phillips, in his commentary on Colossians, translates this word as visible expression. I like this. Look at this quote. Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. When we are in John 1, over Christmas, we read... John one one in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse fourteen. Who's the word? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is Jesus. Why does John refer to Jesus as the word? Well, we said that that word word means revelation. Jesus is the revelation of God. He is the visible expression of the invisible God. He has come as the revelation of God. He has come to reveal to us who God is. He has come to reveal to us the person of God, the will of God, the mind of God, the heart of God, by being Emmanuel, God with us. He's the revelation of God. He's the revealer of God. He has come to earth to instruct us on the deeper things of God, to shed light upon the person of God and upon the purpose of God and upon the will of God, the mind of God, the heart of God. And he can do that because he is God. Who knows the depths of God, the person of God, the purpose of God, the will of God, the mind of God, the heart of God other than god himself jesus is god he has come as the revelation of god he came to reveal to us who god is in john 1 18 we are told no one has ever seen god the only god who is at the father's side he jesus the word has made him known the son came from the father's side from heaven to earth to reveal god to us to make him known In the words that he shares the life he lives and in the work that he came to accomplish so Paul shows in the first phrase not only does God exist but God has not remained removed from us amen he has condescended down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God the Son has taken on flesh to identify with us so that we can identify with God so that we might be forgiven of sin and restored to God through Him. Paul says God does exist. He is not removed from us and He is not whomever or whatever we choose Him to be. We believe Him to be. He is before us. He precedes us and He is unchanging. In his attributes he is who he is he has revealed himself to us through Jesus so that we might truly know him and faithfully live for him so Jesus is God on the earth Emmanuel God with us therefore he's supreme he is supreme in all of creation He is to be first and foremost in our lives. Paul says we're still in the first verse. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now this word in Scripture, firstborn, has been terribly mishandled and mistranslated. Paul is not saying that Jesus is a created being. Some take that word firstborn to mean that Jesus is A created creator. Someone who is of supreme importance but less than God. Someone first among equals but one who is not divine. The word firstborn is the Greek word protokos. It's a word that sometimes is given to a firstborn child not to indicate that they were born or created but that they're first. They're highly favored. In Jesus' case, supreme. He's the first. He's supreme. He's the highly favored one over all creation. You know why? Because He's creator of everything. Listen, that is the ultimate cosmic trump card. Creator. Why? Creator. God alone is creator. Everything else is created. Amen? Amen? That means He is supreme over all creation. Scripture hammers this home again and again. He is supreme because He alone is Creator. He is Creator of all things, visible and invisible, earthly or spiritual. Next line, look at it. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Here we have our answer as to what the word firstborn does not mean. It does not mean that Jesus was a created being. Sometimes you just have to keep reading. Well, that kind of sounds like that. We'll just keep reading. That'll be our application again and again. Just keep reading. Paul says, for by him all things were created. Now, I looked up that word all just to make sure. In the Greek, you know what it means? It means all. It means all. He's created all things. All means all. If Jesus created all things, he could not be created. Because he couldn't create himself. Sometimes we just have to use our, our brains a little bit, right? John 1, 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Therefore, he cannot be made. Jesus is God the Son, eternal creator of everyone and everything. That cannot be said of anyone else, period. End of discussion. Paul also reminds us that he's the sustainer. He says, verse 17, and he is before all things. There, there's that answer, protokos. He's before all things. He's the supreme one. And in him, all things hold together. So not only is Jesus creator of everyone and everything, but he keeps everything going all the time. He keeps the world spinning, the waters flowing, the sun shining, his people breathing, his animals eating, his trees growing, and so on and so forth. Amazing. What's Paul's point here? Why why tell them this? Think of the context. There are false teachers in this church who are adding to, taking away from God's gospel message, and God's people in Colossae are being tempted to drift from the person and work of Jesus Christ. Paul is writing to them and basically saying to them, where on earth are you going? Christ... Is the visible expression of the invisible God. He is supreme, creator of everyone and everything. He is at work all around us at every moment of every day. Don't you move one inch from Jesus. Follow this logic with me. I'm, I'm just going to beat it to death. Okay? Is that okay? Pretty simple. Because Jesus is creator of all things, He is supreme in all creation. You follow that? Because He is supreme in all creation, all of our focus should be on Him. We should not drift away from Him to any other created thing because all things were made by Him, through Him, and for Him. Paul says... Verse 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Therefore, we are not to drift from him toward anything spiritual or earthly, no ruler, no authority, spiritual or or earthly, visible or invisible in heaven or on earth or under the earth, nothing other than Jesus because... All things were made through him and for him. That leads us to our final question that we're going to answer this morning, then we're going to return to this text next week. I just had to break it up. It's just too good. We've answered the question of whether God exists and what he's like. Now let's turn to the second ultimate question in life, the question of who are we? Why are we here and how are we to live? Who are we, why are we here, and how are we to live? We are going to to learn in these following verses. We have been created by God. God created us, male and female, in his own image, to glorify him. Again, there are many today who say, God doesn't exist. They deny his existence and conclude that we're just happy accidents and they just deny any deep Meaning in human life. It was atheist Jean Paul Sartre who argued that because man was without transcendent direction, he was therefore nothing more than a useless passion. That's how he defined mankind a useless passion. There are others who argue that God created us, but really has nothing more to do with us. He just wound up the world and walked away. What does God say in His Word? What does Paul tell us in Colossians 1? Let's look at it. Colossians 1:16. All things were created through him and for him. Paul tells us we were created by God in his image to glorify him. We were created to live our lives for God. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That is the chief end of man. That is the reason why you are here, to live your life for the glory of God. God has gone to great lengths to restore you through his son Jesus so that you can live in the way he created you to live, which is for him and for his glory. That's what we are put on this earth to do. We were put on this earth to bring glory to God. We were put on this earth to know God and to live for Him. All things, Paul says, were created through Christ and for Christ. Christ is not only the creator of creation, but all of creation was created for Him. That's what we learn here. Therefore, here's a simple application. Give your life to Him. Live your life for Him. Do not drift from Him. Do not turn away from Him. Don't move one inch away from Him. You were created for Him. Look to Him. Believe on Him. Cling to Him. Live your life for Him. Verse 18. This goes for us, church, especially for us. He brings it back to the church. He's speaking to the church here. Okay, That's just all of creation. Here's the church. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Paul wants to make sure he doesn't leave any theological stone unturned when sharing of the person and work of Jesus, in addition to being the visible expression of the invisible God and the eternal creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. Paul reminds the Christians at Colossae that he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He's our head, church. He's our head. Yes, all of creation was created by him and for him. That includes us, the church. The reason Paul has to stress this is because the Christians at Colossae were giving too much consideration to these false teachers and little consideration to the gospel message of the one true and living God. They were being tempted to drift from Christ. Paul says, Christ is your head. He is the beginning, he is supreme, he is your creator, he is also your savior. He is your head, he is our head. We, we lose sight of this sometimes, don't we? We sometimes see the way people conduct themselves in business meetings, the way leaders in the church carry, carry themselves, it's almost like we've forgotten. that we're at best under shepherds, stewards, managers, servants. Of the Most High God Christ is the head of this church we are under his authority we're to conduct ourselves in that way if anything I say or anybody else says that 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 challenges that we're to go with what God says and we're to deal with that situation appropriately that's what Paul's calling for here Paul says he is the firstborn from the dead he not only became one of us and lived the perfect life for us, he laid his life down, he took it up again, becoming the first to live, die, and rise again to live forever. Now there were others who had lived, died, and were raised to life again, but they went on and they died again. Lazarus, Jairus's daughter, the son of the, the, the widow from Nain in Luke's gospel, but Jesus was the first to live, die, rise physically to live forever. Paul also tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that his resurrection guarantees our future resurrection, believers. Great chapter on resurrection. We focused on it during, during Easter several, several years. We, we focused in on that, that text of Scripture. Paul says we are so connected to Christ by faith that's what's true of him is true of us. Amen? Now, if you're an Adam by birth, you're set against God. What's true of Adam is true of you. In sin, set against him. But because Christ has come and lived and died and rose again, it, by faith in Christ, what's true of Christ becomes true of us. And, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, because Christ has been raised, you who are in Christ will be raised. Look what Christ has experienced and embrace it. Because that's true of us as well. He's the firstborn from the dead. Paul says, for all of these reasons and more, in everything, Christ is to have preeminence. That's the Greek word, protuo, meaning Christ is to be first and overall in every area of our lives. He is first, preeminent, supreme. Paul says, Epaphras told you guys this. He shared this with you guys. You responded to this message in faith. Now don't drift from it. That's my word to you this morning. Believers, you've believed this message. Don't drift from it. Center your life on it. Be faithful to proclaim it to others. We're to live our lives. For God. Everything we do in this life as believers, we are to do for the glory of God. He created us, he has redeemed us for that reason. One of my favorite verses of of scripture is found in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Listen to this: you are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. That's our marching orders. That's the bottom line on the Christian life, right there, believers. You were bought with the price. You are not your own. Glorify God in your body. In his video series on Colossians and Right Now Media, our, our, some of our small groups are looking through these. Our youth have seen some of these with Louis Giglio. Uh, he says this. Look at this quote. Our highest purpose, our reason for being, the reason we are breathing air on this planet today is because we were designed to be in a relationship with God we were designed uniquely in such a way that we could glorify him in the way we live our lives That's why we remain now we don't naturally do this do we we don't glorify God in all we do if we're being honest oftentimes we live to serve the kingdom of self what's wrong with us what is wrong with us what is wrong with the world well Getting into a little bit of what we're going to discuss next week, but let me give you a little spoiler, okay? We're what's wrong with the world. How's that for a delightful word on Sunday morning? I know the sun's shining, but let me shower a little bit on that. We are. G.K. Chesterton, a great critic of culture, was once asked by a journalist, Dear sir, what's wrong with the world? And he simply responded with, I am yours truly. <laughs> it's true. While God created us male and female in his own image to glorify him, we rejected and ignored God and the world he created. We failed to, to be and do what he required in his law. We learned that in the New City Catechism. We set ourselves against God. We separated ourselves from Him in sin. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 59:2, your iniquities have made separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you that He does not hear. God could have washed His hands of us, left us in this broken and fallen sinful state, but instead He showed His love for us, and that while we were sinners, He sent Christ. To die for us Jesus became a man to obey and suffer in our place he laid his life down on our behalf hallelujah as our substitute and our perfect sacrifice at Calvary and he took his life up again so that we through faith alone in him alone could be forgiven of sin and restored to God and have life eternal with God through faith in him that's the gospel my question I want to leave you with today is this. Do you realize this? Do you realize that you were created by Christ for Christ? Do you realize that your sins have hidden His face from you? Do you realize that Christ did something about that? That He came and He, he lived and died and rose again to rescue you from darkness and and usher you into his marvelous light to rescue you from sin and death and restore you to a right relationship with the living God? Have you turned from your sin? Are you trusting in Christ alone for your salvation? If not, I invite you today, forsake your way, bow the knee to Jesus today, and be saved. Let's pray together.